All right, welcome to another episode of Not Investment Advice. We've got an NIA boys here today. Me, Master Flex himself, Trung fan. Follow him on Twitter, Trung T fan. We got Jack Butcher, founder of Visualize Value. You can also follow him on Twitter if you're not already at Jack Butcher. And I'm B Zadie on Twitter, Bilal Zadie, founder of Crater Lab. We are the NIA boys, and let's go into the week, boys. We talked about, well, it came up last week, but we're going to talk about it this week. Um, Figma acquired a, sorry, Adobe acquired Figma. Well, if we waited for, long enough, Figma would have done yeah, the yeah, reverse. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, Figma uh, got acquired by Adobe for around $20 billion. We're going to break that down today and get, more importantly, um, Visualize Value's very own Jack Butcher's opinion on Figma and what makes it special and his take on it. We're going to break that down. And then, secondly, another love fest for Jack Porsche, Today's the Porsche IPO. Jack, um, did he pronounce that correctly? How is Porsche that's, pronounced? That's what I was going to ask. Well, the Brits, man, the Brits use Porsche, but you, well, I think it's, this, is the, wrong, so. this is the Adidas Adidas debate that we had uh, pre-recording. I think Porsche is the German pronunciation, and really? I'm probably not even giving that the right enunciation in the, the right, right spot. The right oomph? Yeah, exactly. Okay. I thought that was I'm not going like to attempt the, it because, you I know, thought that was it's just the American douche version. Like, when no, like, I've got no, the no, no, no. No, no. There's, there's some. Uh, this I think that's derived from the actual uh, pronunciation. But, but we got addition, some German listeners. Give yeah. us the uh, yeah. let, us, let, the let them hit us up. So the Porsche IPO will happen later this month. But in addition to that, uh, I'm, I'm hinting below with that last second edition. Yeah, we go. We talk about the day in 2008 when Volkswagen was the most valuable company in the world. It was the craziest short squeeze in finance history, and it involved Porsche and Volkswagen. And uh, let, let me tease the listeners so you don't turn this podcast off after Figma. The uh, the headlines that came out was that Porsche was a hedge fund that happened to make cars on the side. Like this was how deep they were into the finance game. So we'll tease this that is up. 2008. Trung has been uh, in the group chat talking about this for the last four days. He's very excited <laughs> to deliver this. <laughs> yeah, I've sent right. these guys 30 videos. They're like, ah, ah, dude, we're not going to we'll watch this, man. Just tell us what happened. We'll tr- get the long- live Trung version. All right, well, let's yeah. save that for the second half. Um, let's get into Figma, boys. I mean, I don't know what else we want to tee up. It was $20 billion reported. I think there was a mix between stock and cash. Um, I think the market didn't love the deal. If you if you look at the public stock price, yeah, I'm, I'm happy dropped. to do some super top line before Bilal crushes Jack with Bilal. Yeah. I want you to be a Creator Lab style after this. I want you to just hit up Jack and be like, because you know, okay, so <laughs> listeners, mini detour. I went on Creator Lab last week. I had Bilal hit me up the one on one interview for the uh, uninitiated Creator Lab is Bilal's uh, side hustle. Uh, podcast? No, no, that's his main. He's been doing that for ages. Um, but that's when he hits up creators and just gets them talking real passionate about what they're up to. So I can't wait for Bilal to hit up Jack on that front. But let's go. talk about We've this deal. Two. Me and Jack did two already. So that's just, this is uh, this will be like number three. We'll third. There we go. So let me talk a little bit of the strategy angle and the financials around uh, Adobe Figma. I, I, I imagine a lot of our listeners at this point have heard a lot about the deal. So just quick summary: twenty billion, as Bilal mentioned. Adobe itself is a $150 billion company. So that's a big chunk of its market cap. Um, and I think the best line I've seen about it, it came from Hunter Walk. Uh, he's early Google, uh, I think early YouTube actually. And he said that the only rationale for this type of deal is a company looks at a startup like Figma, which is eating its into its market share. So just as a quick landscape, uh, Adobe does a lot of the creative tools, creative design tools. I'm sure Jack's used all of them, Illustrator, Photoshop, uh, After Effects, InDesign. And, but those are done in a more traditional file management version, right? You send each other files and you're like version 13, version 18, final version 20, right? So that very- Desktop centric. Yeah, desktop, uh, desktop centric file based. Um, Figma found in 2012, didn't even have a product for the market until 2015, is website, I meant web-based first. It's like Google Docs for uh, uh, Adobe products. And um, the entire uh, concept being, you want real-time collaboration, multiplayer mode is what it's called. But what it really did was it opened the aperture of who can be involved in the design process. Uh, Jack, I'm sure we'll get into it, but basically if you have a multiplayer mode uh, in a, a web-based, you can have 
the designer involved, the engineers involved, uh, the client involved, uh, product managers. I'm sure the CEO gets in there and drops his two cents. But before, if you did that, it was a complete disaster. You're sending around these files. But Figma basically has taken itself to a $400 million run rate, which will be by the end of this year. And the way we always reference him, but he's the OG. Ben Thompson talks about this deal. says, basically, Figma was creating the operating system for the design space. And well, I actually love for Jack to address that part. And then we can finish up the deal and then we get the love fest. So Jack, when he talks about, do you design primarily in Figma? Mm-hmm. Yep. And when, when you hear the words operating system for design, uh, that sounds like the gravity of the design world has gone from Adobe to Figma for, you know, a lot of organizations. Would that be correct? Yeah. For product design specifically. Yes. Okay. So, so what does that like, mean that the gravity moves to Figma though? It's like the Figma first is where that's it's the shelling point now, right? It's where everybody congregates. Yeah. So what you were saying about multiplayer mode, I forget where I saw this, but there was like a flow chart. I think there was from a whiteboard and early Figma days, which was like, can I, can I share this design for feedback directly from in the app? Yes or no. And if the answer was no, the flow chart went to went the arrow went back to the top. So it's like, until we figure out the solution to that problem, keep developing it. So when I started my design career, designing a website is the most insane process you can imagine. Like you would design either in Photoshop or Illustrator Photoshop a lot of the time, which is like we, the, the nuance between bitmap and vector design is a whole nother like hour long conversation, but basically, um, Photoshop, you're designing by the pixel. So every pixel has to go where you say it's going to go. You write notes where they go. The different size devices, you would design um, different files for every different size of device, different breakpoints. You would build the file out vertically as long as it needs to go. All the different um, on-off states, like if a button, you know, if a form doesn't complete, you need a new file to show that that state, you would export them all as PDFs. And then you would like go to a meeting with a 400 page PDF, click through it on a projector and be like, now this is this, this is that. Roll up and down. <laughs> and then the client would say, okay, here's the feedback. Um, maybe we'll annotate the PDF. So they're annotating a 400 page PDF. Then you take all that feedback back and you're like, that has to go from whoever was in the meeting to the designer that's working on this break point and that. And like, I think um, even before Figma, there was a product called Sketch that I used for a couple of uh, a couple of years, probably before before I switched over to Figma. That was essentially like the UI and the functionality in that software is very similar to what Figma does, but, it's but Mac the way only. it was built was so different. And it's Mac only. So yeah, it's Mac only. You have to pay to use it. It's owned and by. Was that made by Apple, right? No, uh, oh, it? no, it's cool. Oh, okay. I think it's, it's like Sketch company. App. I think that's their, their own company. Oh, got it, got it. Um, and they basically, people were trying to get me to use Figma from Sketch before. And I was like, I've already paid for Sketch. I don't need to. And I'm not do. I wasn't doing client work at the time. So it didn't like make that much sense. Plus you'd um, have to like learn a new software again. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the like the killer feature for Figma was the in browser. So like, I think the Ben Thompson article explain this really uh eloquently it's like they stripped it down to the metal and i think what they mean by the operating system is it's like they were able to build all the functionality of a tool like sketch in the browser which means as a designer you can literally s click a button in the top right hand corner of figma share design and it goes out to a client uh, or you know a collaborator or an engineer on your team and then when a comment is made you get an email you resolve the comment or you go back and forth in the file. Like the amount of like Google productivity. Docs, like people use Google Docs. It's Google like Docs, but Google Docs obviously text for design, which is actually insane, right? I, I just wanted, so we got the tweet that we mentioned is from Ben Gilbert from the Acquired Podcast. And he, he was the one that talked about stripped it to the metal. And I think what he insinuated by that term was, it just, they went to the, the, the roots, uh, first principles thinking of this, right? So uh, I'll just read the Ben Thompson line. It's quite technical, but it speaks to the technology behind Figma and how they really thought about this from first principles. So they go, Figma, which was founded in 2012, made a bet on the browser and spent four years building V1. So not three, four years. This including writing the editor in C++, cross-compiling into JavaScript using 
ASM.js. I have literally no idea what it means. But what it may uh, ultimately achieved was that the desktop uh, web-based version had the memory performance that you'd get from like a Photoshop or, or, or approximating it, right? And um, there's a whole uh, uh, kind of platform or template called WebGL, which was only released in 2011. So this was like based on new technologies that came out at that time. And before I before I lose this thread, because Jack uh, loved how Jack kind of explained the center of gravity. And so the old world was the Adobe world, right? You basically established the old InDesign 400 page PDF world. So you yeah. move to this collaborative world. Actually, let me add this one thing from Hunter Walk. He said, basically the deal looks like this. How much of our market cap from Adobe are we willing to give up to save the rest of the company? Because it's so clear, and I think Jack's about to explain, as you move into the multiplayer mode first, it's going to be game over, right? Like that's going to be the next 30 years of design. Would that be the right assumption here? I think yes, like the workflow that Figma has built is the future of design. But Figma is really only... This is like a markets question, maybe, because it's only a sliver of the functionality of Adobe products. Like you can't produce in Figma what you can in After Effects or right. Premiere, or it's like 2D even Photoshop product design. Bad, right. Because that Photoshop, if you're doing like, again, I don't use either that much, but I've used them both like as an amateur. Like there's certain stuff you're still using for Photoshop. And I know Photoshop, um, Figma kind of even like, like use that as a selling point. They said like, well, you should use the design tools you need, but the collaboration part, which I like Ben Thompson called it like the vector of like attack essentially, right? Like that's the new vector they were competing on was collaboration first. So they said, if you need to use Photoshop, that's great. Just bring it into Figma and you can use the functionality. Like they had like a plugin ecosystem that they're building, right? No, Jack, you're 100% right that the actual functionality versus Adobe is not the same, but Bilal nailed Ben Thompson's entire thesis. He's like, if this is the center of where people are congregating, then people are just gonna start adding apps, right? And like but, these tools. And I would say like, it's where the money is too, within that stack is like product design is probably the biggest or the most profitable application of these creative tools versus like people making animations or um, like at the very, very high end, right? Like when, Hollywood is using software. I'm not sure of the intricacies of what they use there, but there's like software that exists outside of Adobe that like Pixar would be using, for example. Um, so a lot of Adobe's product suite, I feel like is kind of in no man's land. It's like, it's not the industry standard at the high end, but Figma is like Google products are designed in Figma. Microsoft products are designed in Figma. Every like technology company that you interact with, probably Apple uses Figma in their product stack to design stuff. Like it's everything. And it's like from college projects to trillion dollar software companies are using Figma to design products. And then um, I think the the collaboration is one thing, but it's also like there's nuance in the collaboration where it's even like how the files are stored, shared, all of the organization that exists within it, which isn't particularly sophisticated, but just the fact you can access it through a browser is crazy. Like um, the first agency I worked at was backed up by tapes, literal tapes, like <laughs> overnight, they would leave all their computers on and then the server room, I don't even know what technology this was, but I remember going in and I was like, what the f Cause it felt like, it felt like old then, but it's like every computer, every file on that computer is getting backed up three times on this like tape device. And then later on in my career is like, there's an agency server, which is like an absolute shit heap organization, like terribly awful, but you're just like version 13.92617. Like the designer, the only person that would ever be able to read that file is a designer that worked on it or the only person that would even be able to find it. And then Figma just like, even for, I think, applications that people didn't see um, it being useful, like keynote presentations, for example, like even if you're designing a document where you're telling a story, it's so much more uh, efficient to design something like that in Figma because you can document it in real time and then you can pull it up on your phone, send a link to somebody. Like you don't need to carry your same computer everywhere even. Like the fact that one example is like, Adobe licenses, 
if we're traveling and like Celia and I both bring our laptops, like I have to buy an Adobe license for another laptop to even access some of the files I have on Adobe. Whereas Figma, you just go figma.com, log into your account, everything you've ever worked on is there. I think people, I think you bring up such a great point is like, this isn't, a lot of people say, oh, it's a cloud first solution. No, no, it's even beyond that, right? Because for example, everything you just said there, yeah, you can, Adobe has cloud solutions, Creative Cloud, uh, you upload your files, they keep everything up to date as much as possible, but you still have to use this crazy, like nomenclature system, version one, version 30, version 40, check on my Dropbox, check on my G Drive, right? It's just not, I mean, they have a product, Adobe has They've XD. tried. It's shit. Well, have you tried it? So can you tell, <laughs> tell us yeah, about Adobe this. XD? And actually, yeah. while you're pulling that up, I'm just, Jack, you can start your rant here, but uh, I did want to share while you're pulling up your tweet on this because I think it's worth us documenting this. Sorry, give me one second. Because <laughs> <laughs> when I saw this live, I was cracking up. Uh, this might just have to so be meme of the week. Adobe, yeah, this is basically meme of the week. Oh, sorry, could you see my screen? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Jack Butcher reshared Adobe's announcement and just said enormous L in true internet guy fashion. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so let's expand on why it's an L. Yeah, well, well, first of all, what were the comments? Did you get any replies telling you to like kick rocks? Like what, what was the sentiment around that? No, I think the, the only negative feedback I got was like massive W for the founders. And obviously yeah. that's true, right? <laughs> Incredible. They made an amazing product. That's the only reason it's getting bought for $20 billion. Obviously, I'm not commenting on that, right? Yeah, like yeah, fair yeah. play to them if that's the outcome that they wanted. Like incredible. Dylan work. Field, Evan Walls both own 10% of, uh, of Figma, so they're worth $2 billion each. Respect. And, uh, yeah, Dylan they, Field, yeah, like TLF. amazing outcome. If you're looking at the stock yeah. Time, so. <laughs> yeah. But, oh, yeah. But so I've never seen, and Trung, your tweet was great on this. Like there's no better community to meme a response to like news they don't like than the design community right all well, those memes a, are made in figma is, it's kind of a good meta uh, this is the one that jack uh, sent us i mean this yeah. isn't a difficult one but it was just hilarious <laughs> there's some way better memes which are like kind of like you could tell you use figma for but for the listeners tommy Ray, uh, mason tweets out uh so adobe uh is a welcoming figma to their uh, suite of creative tools <laughs> and it's that scene in toy story where the neighbor uh, kid just destroys all the toys and makes them look like <laughs> all monsters and mutants. Oh, dude, hilarious. But yeah, the memes, incredible. Absolutely incredible. Memes are amazing. And, and like that community is, obviously they're the users of the thing, but I don't think this acquisition is based on like the hobbyist or even the professional freelance designer, right? The value of Figma at that scale comes from the fact it's like, enterprise it's like in the guts of all the biggest enterprises on the planet and and like the ip that's locked up in figma is just it's kind of um difficult to evaluate that like people obviously like oh they paid x amount more than earnings but it's like the switching cost from figma at this point is so it's like almost unfathomable there is not another tool that does what it does right now so you couldn't you couldn't um I don't know, I don't see a way for people to move away from it as a tool and it's locked in at like really significant scale in a lot of big businesses. So uh, I understand why they paid that for it. And uh, it's not a traditional deal in the sense of like, you know, this user is worth X. It's like, this is a tool that is like deeply interwoven in development of modern software. It's like almost a program. If you could acquire a programming language what is that worth? Oh, that's like a great, it's more akin to that in my, in my mind. So could you tell us about Adobe XD, the Adobe uh, version of this? Have you ever used it? No. no. Okay, you wouldn't even, so, if so somebody Adobe, sent you that, you wouldn't even answer them. Hey, uh, hey man, we're working with Adobe XD. You'd be like, please don't ever contact me again. No, you're not going to get like, <laughs> you're not going to get design talent that works in that. I'm sure there are a few people that are like very good at it that uh, make a living based on the fact that they're the few, one of the few, but one of the things that Adobe's just done over the years is like they always used to be like I think it was like 700 pounds when I was growing up to have a like Adobe like Photoshop was 700 pounds oh yeah you mean they, they sold it all, they sold it like CDs right it yeah was like incredibly torrent, it's all torrents <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying before they like, transitioned to the, 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 the so to credit to Adobe they made a massive transition to subscription and crushed it like 10x yeah. their market cap mm, yeah. and they're able to spend that market cap to acquire Figma, but I, I want to hear Jack keep talking about how much he hates Adobe products. Well, I think they're like, they're, um, 
they were in a similar position at a certain point in time. Whereas like, if you wanted to make X, you have to use Adobe products, right? And they're still true for certain things. Like, well, the majority they, of things, if we're being honest, right? Like a lot of they things were comparable are comparable to Figma. Yeah. Like, um, video. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to say exactly, but they definitely, obviously there's definitely people using Adobe at scale every day. They switched to the subscription product and then they have like a cloud program that sits across all of the other stuff. So it's called, I think, Adobe Creative Cloud. And then that like manages the installation of all these things. You have like font subscriptions. You, it just like, it's an incredible business move, but also added like a shitload of complexity to how you use the software. Um, and they're like notoriously buggy programs. You like, you download a version of it and then it, it crashes and it's like, oh, you need version 0.002 two, one, get this update, get that update. So design community, that was a, that was like a component of most of the memes was like, you know, Figma is going to be this like, sorry, Adobe Figma has crashed and your file hasn't been saved. Good luck. Um, but in their announcement, they're talking about not changing anything for a number of years, but obviously at a certain point in time, my view is like, the value of that software and the like inability to separate from it as part of the process. Like there's a huge amount of, you could hike up the price of Figma and you're not going to lose that many subscribers. It's like a Amazon prime level. Uh, what's the word? Um, lock in. Yeah. Lock in. And like, you can retain customers at a silly oh, rate. The churn, super like, incredibly low churn, right? Yeah, yeah, like all of my, like my work is in Figma. It's like, it's like Dropbox like a more extreme version of that, you know, like when it's you have a certain amount move. of files on Dropbox, it's like, yeah. oh, I'll just keep paying it. Like, I'm not going to- How much are you paying right now? Much, yeah, I was going to say, how much is it compared to, because you can have, a, there's a free tier, right? Like I use- There's a free, free tier until you have teams. So until you right. have like um, any project where you want another person to be able to, I, actually, I don't even think that's true. It's like, there is there are ways to collaborate on the free plan, but there are some features that once you- want to like categorize projects in a folder for a team to share, then you start paying per user, I think. And it's, it's not cheap. It's like for two people, I think it's 40, 50 bucks a month. Mm. Um, so it gets, it gets pricey fast. And then there's obviously enterprise people with thousands and thousands of seats on that. Um, and then the one thing I didn't mention in the last piece is like Adobe has tried to do like cloud file storage within their software. And it's just not as elegant as the Figma solution. And it's like breaking your, this might be something that's specific to me, but I've always worked with Adobe in a certain way. So when they introduce all these new UX patterns that they're borrowing from somewhere else, it's like, it just doesn't compute and you don't, you're not able to take advantage of the new patterns that they build into it because it's like, this is how it's always been. Um, this is how I've always used it. And they also like, weird like two years ago like they've changed all the ux in photoshop like really random stuff like the key you would hold to scale an object they changed the key it's like what the f and it's like muscle memory yeah, there's yeah. no reason for you to do it it's like clearly somebody's just gone in there and been like yeah this is we need Someone's to update it to, the to uh, streamline <laughs> the shortcuts or something. oh man and still now it's taking me like even after two years like i go in there and you switch between platforms you're like why did how why did similar is uh oh, sorry so you talked about before i loved uh, uh some more information on this side is like so figma obviously can't do everything so what's figma closest to is it in design or what is it uh illustrator i would okay. say closest so it's closest to, to illustrator how well, i would say the entry level like Figma is way better entry level product than it, than Illustrator. Like Illustrator is way, it feels way more intimidating. Like to the, to the hobby user, Illustrator is, is way more difficult than Figma. And that's, I think Illustrator resembles more what it were, what it looked like when it was created, however long ago that was, than you know, Figma, I think was inspired by sketch, like the f initial functionality that it was basically the same program, just built closer to, well, in the browser, which unlocked so many more applications and then, and like spurred the network effect in a different way than sketch was ever able to do. Bilal, hit him with some creator lab well, questions. I was, I was just going to ask, well, just a couple of things from what you were saying there. I think it's worth calling out kind of like 
you know, you already kind of were talking about what you don't like about Adobe, which I agree with. It's like very clunky in that way. But just like the way the pricing set up for Figma, obviously being completely like a complete collaborative first environment as well. Like even me as someone who works on like looking, reviewing creative sometimes and seeing like designers will send me stuff and they'll be like, oh, look at this. And at first I was like, what the hell is this Figma thing? And then when I got used to it, I was like, oh, this is so much better than click downloading all these images in Google Drive and like going through one by one. Um, and then even just sharing on a, on a Zoom call or something like that, it's just you're zooming in and out. You're kind of going into different parts of the canvas, which is pretty cool, yeah. Um, and then just the other kind of like business part of this is I think Figma is an example of what's called like bottoms up SaaS. Um, so other companies in that realm are like Slack, I think was a good example of that. Dropbox. Dropbox. And what that means is you get the the guys at the bottom basically or any employee just a regular user starts using it and they like it so much that they get their teams involved so it's not top down where you go and pitch the cto or the cio or whatever else it is and you're like hey there's this salesforce thing and you need to implement it across your whole organization you just go in and start playing around with it and you see oh this is actually much better so that's a kind of a bigger trend especially in silicon valley SaaS startups um and it, yeah that's allowed, that's yeah that's a function of the pricing too right like the, the free tier. you can just use it exactly and that, the one thing that i wanted to mention that you the point you were just making below reminded me of is like imagine them all the like when i wanted to start design like i had to f like figure out a way to get photoshop get illustrator like like hustle to get it Pirate versus figure it out yeah <laughs> versus just go on figma.com and be like bang yeah and like the number of like the amount of talent that is unlocked all over the world and like what it's done for the design community at large is just insane like yeah, the I software mean, they costs democratize uh, let's just say they want to democratize they design they right did. and they did yeah and also just say you said design community which i think is like you know, 89%, but then it's just a regular, like me using, I'm not That's a really true. design community. That's true. And I'll, like, you know, people creating stuff for the Instagram and like stuff for like that. Well, this I is like 50% say... of users is engineers. Like this is like, it's not just designers. Because they're doing like UI stuff. Exactly, and... right? And the well, other everyone one is a say... designer boys, let's be, <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> well, the other thing I was going to say is like Canva. Canva's probably a similar category of just like, maybe not similar but like in a way that is made for just regular people like i've used canva and it's very very easy like it's basically templates and you're editing stuff where what's the difference between canva and figma oh I canva's like for doing like, like, like fucking birthday cards and shit yeah. like that yeah. you know? but it's, no, but like it's worth much it. more it's worth 40 it's billion worth dollars like 40 billion yeah but they yeah. basically yeah, yeah. For real. did someone buy it for a billion no no, no it's worth 40 it's worth 40 it's funny 40 it raised it raised a billion and oh, they for yeah and they sake. thought but that's i would say that's less like figma is like more designer centric i'd say and like actual you know like engineers people using product design product yeah. design versus canva is literally like they pitch themselves as you need to do social media marketing you need to create posts you need to do your here's a template thing. for this here's that here's exactly. that exactly yeah, yeah. and they just get designers create free stuff and then you can pay for the extra things and i've like used it and it's very easy to use it's like pretty simple um, so I think those two have done a really good job of democratizing, just getting people to create stuff from scratch. Yeah, it's like on the 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 spectrum of difficulty, it's like Canva is the easiest. Figma yeah. comes along like after that. It's easy to use, but the things that you can build with it are infinitely more complex and nuanced. Yeah. And then Adobe is like more complicated, but the direct competitors to Figma are less capable of the complexity required to build the products, if that makes sense. So yeah, it's like, it's way harder to get upskilled in that software, but it's also more difficult to build the things that you could build in Figma, which is an easier tool to use. Yeah, Jack, how like this, go ahead, Bill. Go on, go on. Oh, I, I was just going to say the, the example you said earlier about it's going to be very difficult for another company just to clone what they're doing. Like the, the earlier, I think Trung, you mentioned it took them like four or five years of just developing the product before they even launched it or something like that. And I know, again, it's kind of a, 
like in Silicon Valley specifically, there's a few companies, most of them don't do that, right? Like it's like launch and iterate, like that's the old school way of doing it. But it's like Superhuman comes to mind. I know Kodo, who I've worked with, they did that for many years before it was even uh, like public. Um, so there is this thing of like, it's a bit of a big bet because you're like, I'm working on this for ages and we don't even know if people, you know, are gonna want the thing that we that we need. And, and from my understanding, for the first five years, they might have been developing something completely different. It was not the product it is today. I think if it started in 2011, was it? I don't know what they were first doing, but I don't think it was the Figma of today until the last like five years or something. Um, but yeah, go, go on, Trung. What were you going to say, Jack? Well, actually, as you're mentioning it, um, I, there's a tweet, I forgot who did it, but really good insight. He's like, you couldn't just give somebody $20 billion and be like, hey, build me an Adobe competitor. It's like, there's something about software. It's an art, right? There's still that art element to it. Actually, sorry, like, Trunk. That was the idea that I was about to bring up was Slack versus Figma. So like Slack got acquired, was it by Salesforce? Yeah, mm -hmm. right? but also but bottoms Microsoft, up. And then, yeah, so also bottoms up. And if you've never used Slack, which is probably not most of you, it's like- A messaging group, system. Yeah, it's messaging, but it's got threads and it's got channels and stuff like that. So when I first saw it, I was like, okay, why is this better than Gchat? Because I was so used to, instant messaging and then when you start using it okay this is my disclaimer former better. google employee <laughs> yeah yeah trying to pump chats bags bad, yeah. <laughs> but but i would say microsoft teams which i've not used but i've heard kind of killed it in a way uh in terms of like their scale because microsoft has this distribution baby distribution and they can just create a clone essentially and like push that out so i don't know the exact numbers for this but i'm i'm assuming creating a Figma is going to be a lot harder than cloning Slack. I could be completely yeah. wrong in that, but that's my assumption. Yeah, I, I would say that's well, true. Well, Adobe tried. But they've, Adobe tried. Yeah, yeah. and I think yeah. what, what, what they have, um, like Figma kind of accomplishes both of those things. Like it has the, that Microsoft distribution example, example like exists for Figma organically. Like it just, because it's a superior product, just flowed into all of these organizations and is stuck there now and you can't i just can't imagine how you would get it out like uh you know what of, cnbc like, actually had an amazing article it, it, exactly to your point it actually involves microsoft so end of august cnbc does a 12 pretty long read it kind of went mini viral and talked about so microsoft and adobe have a quite a close relationship in terms of uh how many licenses microsoft pays adobe i, I bet they're one of the biggest customers for adobe products and the CNBC article basically said, well, there's actually a problem that's happening at Microsoft right now. So both the CEOs of, uh, so Satya Nadella, and then uh, I forgot the uh, Adobe CEO's name. Uh, he's also from India. They went to the same high school, actually. So they it's have this kind of, gangster, kind of yeah, so pretty gangster. They have kind of this, uh, not like they're buddy buddies, but that was just a nice, like uh, small uh, fun fact. And the thing that happened was apparently at Microsoft, everybody's using Figma. And Adobe has this massive relationship with Microsoft. So they're like, so Microsoft and Adobe are like the senior uh, uh, execs, are like what's going on? It's like, we pay you guys so much money, but everybody's using Figma. And this is like a pretty big thing like a month ago. And then I remember reading that. I'm like, oh, that seems like a pretty significant like piece of reporting. And then sure enough, like three weeks later, this deal happened. Mm. Yeah, I think like the programming language analogy, I think is a pretty good one because it's like, at a certain point, there's no, like the, the fluency and the way people have been trained. And like, if you want to work with the best product designers in the world, you have to let them use the tool that they work in. Like, you're not going to get the best out of people by like trying to send them to a product stack that they can't use. And there's not like, they're not comparable. You can't. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating how. What, uh, what concerns do you have as a so first of all, let, let's just establish. You love Figma. Do you love Figma? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. You love Figma. Okay. Um, well, let me ask two questions. What are the shortcomings of Figma from your experience, and are you can what are your concerns about the Adobe deal? I, I mean, Figma does exactly what it says it's going to do. There's not. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't change. A you have great no deal annoyance about, about Figma. Well, there's got to be a con. Jack, like, what, are you what, worried what? it's going to start looking like this? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, For the yeah. listeners, this is the yeah. uh, the meme we're referencing. Uh, Adobe Figma 2022 quit unexpectedly. Yeah. Oh, man, that gives me chill just looking at that, man. I hate when that happens. Daryl Jin, that's a good one. Mad. 
You lost mad work. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Jack, cause something, something's wrong with Figma. Come on, bro. Con. I mean, the, the pricing for the, like, small team stuff is, is, is expensive. Okay. Relative to, like, um, I mean, they have no competition, though. So how can you, you can well, charge what you want? Adobe Photoshop, because it... Per it's like month. 70 bucks a month to get the creative suite. But the creative, but that includes like Adobe or Disney Premiere. That's everything. Can, yeah, yeah. can you buy a one? I think you can buy a one. I think only, you can, right? yeah. I but think that you might can. be like 30, 40. It might be equivalent. I think Figma on its own might be a tiny bit more than just Photoshop per month, potentially. But the, the bet is that most people probably just get the creative suite, I'm assuming. I imagine, yeah. I imagine. Uh, for, so Photoshop's 20 bucks a month. All apps is 55 a month. Okay. So that's interesting because Figma is close to the all apps. So it's actually not for for a professional like team user, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right, but that's interesting. Just as one use case, because I think yeah, if you were getting all the other things you need, like After Effects, you said, and the video stuff, and yeah, I can't yeah. get rid of I can't get rid of Adobe as much as I dislike yeah. a lot of the way it works. Like I still use it. Yeah. Still use it. Yeah. All right. So the question I have for you guys is really on the valuation, which has been kind of an interesting topic. I know Jack kind of gave his take earlier, but to kind of summarize it, $20 billion was, was it 50 times ARR? 50, or like 50 times uh, 2022 estimated ARR. Estimated, so that for yeah. annualized revenue, essentially, um, which again is a really high multiple in traditional terms, right? Like we've moved way below that, especially with the way the market is right now. However, as Jack said, you're not paying you know, this isn't a private equity deal where you're buying 50 like Airbnbs or something, right? This is like where you're just times it by a multiple. This is, you know, completely one of a kind company and potentially, a, you know, one of your biggest competitors, if not your biggest competitor for the future. So what do you guys think about the actual valuation of this? And uh, yeah, I'd love both your take on it. I'll just say what you kind of mentioned is just like you can't, it's a hunter walk thing. You can't value this on traditional metrics it's like jack said it's acquiring a programming language for design essentially and there's just there's just no value you can put on that um and i mean the deals that come up is instagram getting acquired by facebook but like way before instagram had even done anything mm -hmm. no monetization mm -hmm. uh, hunter walk also brought up a uh, cruise automation that was the ai driving a self-driving startup that was acquired by a billion dollars by gm there's also similar logic of like how much of our market cap we're willing to give up to protect the rest in the case this other alternative reality happens. But uh, I don't know. I, I suspect, Jack, that you're going to have a similar thought about the valuation. It, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I think uh, what I was saying earlier about how much value it creates is like it's very hard to measure, but it is a lot. Like the thing that Bilal was mentioning, like, when you're buying another, like a more traditional business, you kind of see how money moves from the asset you're buying all the way through, like property, you know how much it costs and how much it rents for and how much it makes every month. And Figma like goes on to create so much more value after the you capture the money for the subscription, if that makes sense. Like people are building, on the free plan, people are making software that creates hundreds of thousands, hundreds of millions of dollars of value on the back end. Not to mention it's like this workflow that's deeply embedded in all these organizations that are worth billions and billions of dollars. So I think it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know how sophisticated the conversation was in trying to figure out that valuation, just like probably going up to a number where it's just like they can't say no to it. But that's what the, uh, I can't remember who was, the one of the largest uh, venture backers in, uh, in Figma basically said, yeah, they gave us a number we couldn't say no to. It's like, yeah, right. you just can't, you literally just yeah. couldn't say no to this number, right? Yeah. It's like, a, <laughs> it's not like, a, so like, what are the famous uh, founders saying no numbers? It's like, okay, Zuck said a no to a billion from Yahoo, right? And then and then uh, Evan Spiegel said no to three billion from Facebook. I, I think it turns out once you start hitting double digits, <laughs> it almost becomes impossible to say no to. Post-economic money, as our yeah. friend Balaji would well, actually, say. Yeah. Uh, so, and this is uh, again Ben Thompson, who's just a go go subscribe to strategy strategy Um He was talking about how so there's a billion dollar breakup fee. 
because there is antitrust concern in the sense of like this is just let's be honest this is an anti-competitive move right it's like jack this is, this is no question. why else would you buy it yeah. like why else does anybody buy <laughs> that's anything that's what i was thinking yeah. yeah isn't it a bit of a funny phrase like, no but i mean it's an, it's so anti-competitive yeah, in the yeah, sense of like there's just nothing now this this adobe is the game there is no other game it is this will be the end of it How for the next century buy canva no, that well, that's a running joke, the, right? That'll be the full, the full so, trifecta. The, 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 actually, I don't even know if Ben Thompson wrote this, uh, but the, the sentiment was basically this. A billion dollars uh, is the breakup fee. So if Adobe doesn't close this deal, which is expected to close within the next six to 12 months, I think, they have to pay a uh, billion dollars to Figma. But the cynical side is, let's say that the deal gets blocked, that year where Figma is in kind of no man's land, like mm. everybody is expecting that, you know, they're going to cash out, they're about to buy the new house. Um, they, they start designing everything for Adobe. If that deal gets blocked in a year from now, doesn't go forward. You literally just stymied Figma for a year. And you paid a billion dollars to potentially, you know, mm. uh, you're paying a billion dollars basically stop Some a competitor. 10 D yeah. So like there's two, I mean, I, I guess from Adobe's angle, it's a no brainer move, right? It's like, you, I mean, this is why we talked about it. So their market cap dropped by almost the price of the deal. 24 billion, I, I 24 saw on, on the day, 17%. I don't know if that number's changed. Well, it's like think, admitting defeat in many ways, right? No, it's totally. like, this is our last hand we can play. Yeah. So like, uh, yeah, they basically acknowledge that our entire business, well, the All In podcast did an amazing thing, obviously on the valuation side, but there's like, Chamath basically said, this was an admittance that if you're looking at our models now, like if you're an equity analyst and you're like, laying out our revenue lines is like we're acknowledging that all of this is at risk it's really it's like, what it signals right it's not yeah. like when other companies have bought like a semi-competing company but just like like for example just because i know it a bit better like google buying youtube yeah right like you could say even instagram was like oh i'm they're getting scared of instagram youtube was like they're not really doing video apart from google video at the time which was not really anything atrocious yeah yeah atrocious exactly and so that was like okay they're already selling media they're going to expand into that Fig figma gonna... so much further along the path than instagram or, exactly. or youtubers like the monetization like they're already They've at 400 million and the ramp's exactly. been insane right uh question not for jack for Bilal, zadie Bilal, you've been holding out on us you interviewed to work at Figma. No, it wasn't an interview. No, no, no. Okay, okay. A, what I had happened? A, a few chats with them. Okay, so what year was this? Nothing, what was no, that? No, it was not that long. It was um, before the pandemic, I think, 2019. So yeah, it was. It was not like uh, official. I wasn't like. Re I was already self-employed. So okay. Without going into all the detail, I did speak to them a few. A few no, times let's go into the details. Well, no, well, why? No, well, no. Okay. I'm no, no. It was. I was basically in a. Eventually, became like a pitch for my agency that i still run and so my clients are basically like figma like they they're the exact same mold they're like vc backed startups growing they've got found product market fit and they're trying to like expand so that was the kind of conversation and it was more of like a, oh do you want to just come work here and i was like no i'm not really looking for that but i was trying to secure the bag which i didn't because yeah they wanted someone to come in full time so yeah, I don't know if it would have, you know, you look at these in hindsight and you're like, oh man, that would have been a nice potential payday. But at the same time, I was probably way too late in, realistically. It was probably like 2019 or 2018. I can't, I can't remember the exact date. Um, but yeah, so not, not like I didn't go for a whole process or anything like that, but just had a good chat with, with the team. All right. So uh, not too many beans to spill. Yeah, hopefully not. Yeah, well, what yeah. was your attraction to the potential? Well, let's no, just I just got introduced. One of my friends had moved there, and he was like, "Oh, the growth team, are like really ramping up. They are trying to figure this stuff out, and you know about this stuff. Why don't you just chat to them?" And then when we had the first call, I was like, "Oh, they're the guy I spoke to was like really, really savvy." And I was like, "Okay, this is, you know, pretty like cool company that other people I'd worked with in the space, like startups, were all using Figma, and so I like had experience using it." Um, so I was like, okay, they're probably going to be a winner. Like it was kind of already by that point, you kind of know they're doing well. It's just a matter of how much more of a winner could it be. So like realistically, even if I did go for a job like that and go there full time, probably would have been a decent amount of money, but not like, not like retirement forever, post-economic money, if that makes sense. Hey, boys. Yeah, um, go on. 
I was just going to say the uh, the massive blind spot that I've just looking something up. Yeah. That is driving Adobe subscription and revenue without anything like Figma in the product stack is YouTube. People editing YouTube videos. Mm. This is a huge thing. And making th making thumbnails for you. I mean, I'm reading this thing. Look at this. Well, this is what one person's opinion, but the uh, like my bias is like product design and you know Figma versus whatever else I would use. But when you think about the volume of videos that are getting edited for YouTube, and Premiere is probably the top product in that category. That in itself. I don't know. That seems like a very, very powerful trend to be the leader in. And I'm not sure. I don't know enough about the video landscape to know. Um, I know there's Final Cut Apple makes, but I think Premiere is probably the market I leader by a long leg. Big leaders, yeah. Absolutely monster. Like yeah. they, their pivot to SaaS, is, it's incredible. Like, uh, oh, it's insane. Yeah. We, insane. So like for all of uh, Adobe's from the business side, just absolutely masterful. Was let me just pull up Adobe CEO's name because he, he's he's a legend. I think he 10x the uh, Adobe CEO's name is a uh, uh, Shantanu Nareran, legend. Um, yeah, he's killing it. Yeah. So maybe we'll uh, maybe I've changed my opinion in in one hour conversation because I forgot about YouTube. <laughs> no, yeah, I, mean, well, I didn't just didn't because it's it's like I'm I'm looking at it from such a biased lens of like the thing that I do is really hard to do with Adobe, but you know, there's plenty of other applications of it. And some of them are like runaway levels of growth and product design. It's like when you're in this like echo chamber of the stuff you do, product design feels like the biggest thing in the world, but editing videos and making shit for YouTube is like, man, this Adobe's running on millions of computers yeah, and people like churning out cuts for youtube so well that's the thing after that effects is insane right like the after going. like previous episode you guys remember geo guesser uh uh trevor rainbow uh the super yeah, yeah, tiktoker yeah. he does everything stuff right yeah everything in after effects he's like i do i don't use tiktok's tool hit after effects is yeah that's the thing it's like it's easy to talk about uh, i mean even for jack who's a designer by day like trung is a total spectator i've done a ton of actually in design work in the past um it's awful the experience is awful of like management uh, version control absolutely awful i kind of wish i had done uh figma but I, I guess i don't need to i've never touched figma in my life i feel I'll like uh, go ahead shout, so i was also going to shout out in jack's course like the um what's it called not how, build once how to so visualize value how to like visualize value which i've actually gone through you that's kind of where i've learned more about figma was through that i'd used it before but like you were really going into the tool and showing how simple it is adding the grid lines all this sort of stuff mm -hmm. and i was like and i remember you doing I, I remember you just presenting your screen once for something i can't remember what it was and i was like okay this is why designers love this shit because it's just like very intuitive um yeah it's right, a great boys, piece of software anything else on figma i think we did a good we almost did a 40 50 minutes on that i think so yeah, I think that was great from on. a designer perspective. I hadn't heard... Uh, uh, yeah, that point of view. Yeah. Awesome, man. All right, let's move on to our boys at Porsche. Not Porsche. IPO. <laughs> um, Trung, it's your time to shine here, mate. I mean, Ooh. let's give a little bit of a background. I mean, before we do the Fun Fact Fan, maybe we do that after. But could you explain the relationship between VW and Porsche? Because I think there was a merger, but I was confused yeah, around who I was Yeah, it's very, through. very complex. So uh, the fun fact fan actually is going to be a big part of it, but we don't have to get into that. So for the listeners, I pulled up the org chart for VW Volks, uh, uh, Porsche. It's quite complicated. So the Porsche family has a corporation called Porsche SE. They own 50.7% of Volkswagen. Volkswagen owns Volkswagen, the car, Audi, Bentley, uh, Lamborghini, uh, Bugatti, and a couple of the brands. But Volkswagen also owns uh, Porsche AG, which is the manufacturer of Porsche cars. So it's like super incestuous. The Porsche family owns 50% of Volkswagen, which owns all of Porsche, the manufacturer. So it's extremely complicated. So the numbers might, when I say that some of these followers, just keep in mind that we're not, we're not going to get into the gritty details of this because I will completely mess up. 
the uh, corporate structuring. But just know that the Porsche family owns a big chunk of VW and VW owns all of the Porsche manufacturing of the cars. That and seems so unnecessarily complicated. I'm sure there's a reason why they're doing it. Yeah, there is. There's, there's a, yeah, there's a massive reason. Well, I'll, so I'll just tease involved it. Involved the Cayman Islands or something? <laughs> well, there's a big reason is that, uh, remember how important car manufacturing is to Germany? There's something known as a Volkswagen rule where if you have 20% or more of a company, you basically have veto rights. And lower Saxony in Germany, where they manufacture a lot of Volkswagen vehicles, that government, that local government, owns a big chunk of Volkswagen. So there's a lot of like national level machinations with, which is a national champion, right? Like Volkswagen is a $90 billion uh, market cap company. The one of the two or three biggest car producers in the world, uh, hundreds of employ hundreds of thousands of people. So that's the complexity has to do with how important it is to the country. Got so, it. Got it. Okay. Let's talk about the IPO. Uh, well, Jack, can you just give us a, a couple minutes here on why you love Porsche and where, where it ranks in the, uh, in the luxury car market? Let's well, full screen mate, this one. I want to see Jack's facial yeah. expressions. Design giants, man. Incredible designers. Like, I think this is probably a pretty universally held belief in anybody who appreciates good product design. Um, there. Like the 911 is a good example of a car that has not really changed. You know, they got it pretty much right when they first built it. And every iteration of it has just been like this slight iteration, but they've kept the DNA in it over all these years. And um, I think these like the driving experience has been prioritized for a very long time. You know, other brands have kind of let the market sway them in directions that are um, maybe displeasing to the uh, the super fan or the like the car aficionado like the mercedes of the world that just make like i don't know probably there's like 50 skews for mercedes now yeah. but porsche still is like we make a 911 you know they've even they've like over the last few years they've they've branched out a little bit they got like panamera cayenne you well, go the cayenne with suv is one of the most successful new product launches in the past two or three decades it probably doesn't surprise you for a, a yeah i believe that yeah um and they still you know it's probably under a dozen cars they have um so this is for jack for the listeners i pulled up uh, a, a kind of a the porsche 911s through history they all look incredible. the same incredible incredible yeah. um the the uh well these aren't through history these are different models but oh, different models yeah sorry same idea um I, celia bought me uh the experience day at the atlanta i was like oh, no, wow. no 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 <laughs> there's a uh, birthday gift game yeah <laughs> <laughs> the uh there's this there's it's actually where they film the avengers you know the the um avengers headquarters in the films is the porsche experience center in oh, atlanta oh. in atlanta yeah, the, yeah, is they this just, the same racing day thing you went on? Is this the same yeah, thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. They just uh, they just superimpose the track with the lake. So that's a track out the back of the Avengers oh, building. It's that it's incredible. So anyway, the building's amazing. The cars are incredible. Um, and I actually am not incredibly well researched on the Porsche story, but just like from the outside of it, just let me appreciate throw a mini wrench into I got a little, the history. Uh, Jack, well, you, you might oh yeah, there's going to be some obviously some absolutely <laughs> repugnant <laughs> connections. In Jack the, might want to close yeah. his ears here, but uh, yeah, yeah, I mean obviously German car manufacturers. Um, there's going to be a tie to Hitler, He's there with unfortunately. His boy Hugo Boss, is that what's going to happen? Ferdinand exactly. Porsche, the scion of the entire uh, manuf car manufacturing empire, he designed the Beetle for Hitler, so that's unfortunate. Trump's um, about to cancel Porsche. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but the design of the 911 is based on that Beetle design. So the, to your point, um, listen, you could skewer any German company for uh, the, during the 1940s, but let's not, let's get into this deal um, a little bit. So Porsche is going to list later this month. Uh, it, its expected valuation is 80 to 90 billion dollars so it makes about 30 bill a year wait wait i uh, thought it was 70 to 75 billion euros yeah well that that's on the low end so if you look at the entire scale it could get oh, up, up to it. 90 uh, depending on how they price it billion dollars in today's terms because euro is 
No, I'm, I'm yeah. not just <laughs> <laughs> you were doing the quick. No, I but, saw Trung's eyes. No, but you actually know what's funny is when you way. see, uh, the, you know, when you used to see the the conversions in uh, in magazines, it'd, it'd be like 1.2 difference. Now it's literally hilarious. It's like 75 billion euros, Same. and then in brackets, 75 billion dollars. Like, stop converting it. But the uh, quick side note: my, I just saw my friend this weekend who lives in Europe, and he was just in Italy, and he said a Peroni, a beer of Peroni, was one euro fifty. And water was two fifty. Like everywhere he was going, it's just insane. It's unreal. The levels right? we're hitting right now. Yeah, back to your story. Yeah. So Porsche. Um, we'll get into this and about the luxury side, but Volkswagen is obviously a mass manufacturer of cars. So Porsche on its own is going to be valued as much as Volkswagen. So yeah, not surprising. But so. It, it's crazy. It, it's because of how difficult the corporate structure is that it's confusing. Like, wait, but all the value. So, so Porsche's able. earnings aren't re, aren't accounted for fully in Volkswagen's. It, it like, is, but Volkswagen is like it's one of those situations where, like, you know, when something's below book value, it's like Volkswagen as the asset is just like it's just not the people looking at it. Like, oh wow, you're stripping out. Like, this is the crown jewel, right? So try, the opposite can of I Figma. Clarify? Yeah. yeah. So, Trunk, can I clarify that? You know, in that chart you showed with Porsche, yeah. VW, and Porsche again, when you're saying the value of Porsche, are you talking about that bottom part of the Porsche? Yeah, but the way that they're listing it is going to be, it's like, it's confusing enough where when I tell you that Porsche is going to be worth the same as VW, you're probably thinking, wait, wait, hold on a second. How is this possible? How is that value not locked in? It's just because of this insane structure. So, what's actually happening is they're listing 12.5% to the public non-voting shares and that will give you the full valuation it's expected to raise whatever uh 10 to 15 billion the money the reason volkswagen is doing this and again volkswagen is owned majority by the porsche family so there's a lot of confusion here just know that the, the reason they need this money is for the electric vehicle um uh, uh aspirations that's why right. this is going down and the other part of it that's semi-interesting is that VW and Porsche will be run by the same CEO, Oliver Bloom. So the, there's, there seems to be a little bit of discounting by a lot of stock analysts that like the value of Porsche on its own is like, that's what we're going after. But because like these manufacturing wise, like Volkswagen shares a lot of the same like uh, bodies for Porsche, uh, Lamborghini, right? It's like, mm. there's still, there's a very tight relationship between uh, Volkswagen manufacturing and the Porsche. And uh, this is why it's so confusing. But I think what's interesting about it is, can they get that valuation for basically Ferrari? Because Ferrari has a 24% operating margin. Porsche has 18% operating margin. Typical Volkswagen cars have 10 or less. So like luxury vehicles, because you can charge a luxury price because of the brand, because of the performance, they're very good businesses. But the TLDR is basically... They want to spin this out. They think they can unlock a lot of value, but the market's like, well, actually, you have the same CEO. The actual shares are given to the market, have no voting rights. And then there's this insane family government involvement structure, right? So I think it's a super interesting uh, 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 public listing. The con Again, trust me when I say that Porsche will be valued as much as VW. I know it's confusing as hell, but it has to do with this, this crazy uh, corporate structure. Uh, happy to throw it to you guys for some thoughts. I was just going to ask you um, how much or like how does that money flow to developing electric vehicles and why like how am I going to phrase this? Like they don't have you're saying they don't have the capital to throw at an electric vehicle program that they would like to to grab up a, a certain degree of market share i'm assuming to compete against like a they Tesla. want the big they need the big chunk of money which is in, in this case will be five to ten billion uh not all of it is going to be going to them in the public listing but they will be using that money uh from the listing of this uh of how much ever they own of porsche the manufacturer because again insane corporate structure but volkswagen will be taking whatever funds they receive there in my estimation, will be five to ten billion to really push on this EV front, and hopefully, whatever shares they retain, if the market values Porsche at same multiples as Ferrari, so Ferrari's at thirty-five times uh, earnings right now, versus Porsche, which is uh, about twenty, I think, and then Volkswagen is five times. So, like, they're hoping they can unlock that, 
their remaining ownership, whatever it is in Porsche, will also increase significantly in value. So they're going for the whole value unlock to fund EVs, but it's more, extremely complicated. One more question for you, Chuang. The like Tesla's market expansion was the play was to build a cheaper car, right? And I'm yeah. assuming Porsche electric vehicles are going to be 100 Gs at least. So I'm curious, like oh, sorry, how Porsche, people are uh, electric to that for, idea. Electric for VW. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. So VW's ownership. Yeah. Porsche, no, VW wants to take its share of Porsche, what they can raise in. So, oh, got yeah. you. Okay. My, to, my, to fund uh, their program, fine. right? Yeah. VW's program. Because they want to sell 30 grand electric cars, not 100 exactly. grand electric cars. Exactly. So that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Got you. Okay. Got it. All right. Okay. Trump, do you want to round us out with this fun fat fan? Um, VW being the most valuable company in the world yeah, for two days. We'll go super quick here. So, uh, as mentioned earlier, Volkswagen has this little complex structure. The, the, uh, it went private in 1960 after being a government manufacturer. But Lower Saxony in Germany, uh, that locality has a 20% plus stake, or it did up into this 90s, 2000s era, because this is when the it's a short squeeze for the ages. Like we remember GameStop, right? When GameStop just flew through the this roof. This is before Wall Street bets too, right? Yeah, this, this is before. So, but it'll make so much sense when I break it down. So let's just, what is a short squeeze? When a stock is shorted, you are borrowing shares from the market. You're selling them immediately. And then at a future date, you're hoping that the shares have dropped so you can reacquire those shares and then return them to the market, right? So being able to hold shares uh, uh, for the stock is critical to this. So keep in mind then what happens when you can't acquire shares. This is how short squeezes happen because anybody that's short the stock's like, oh crap, I can't get the shares. And that means my short position can go to infinity because prices can go on forever, right? Like uh, theoretically, it go to infinity. So in a short squeeze, the worst case scenario is if there are no shares available in the market for you to close your position. So that's the nature of the short squeeze. And this is how it happened with Porsche and Volkswagen. It's insane. So remember this insane structure I just told you about this corporate structure. So in 2005, Porsche is independent. Volkswagen's its own thing. Porsche, the family, starts buying up Volkswagen stock. So in 2006, they announced they own 25% of Volkswagen. So... But the entire, these are all German families, they all know each other, and they're just like, okay, this is a pretty big thing. But then the Porsche management is like, guys, we're not going to do, we're not going to do anything untoward. We're not going to try to take over Volkswagen, which is much bigger than us. We're just buying stock in the market. We want to, we want to make sure we have access to this 20% rule where we can also help Vito because we want to do this for the good of German car manufacturing. And over the next two years, obviously everything I said is untrue. They slowly build up a position to 43%, and also they have call options to own an additional 32%. So, so on, where are they getting the money from for this? They're going heavily in debt. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So they're issuing the personal family debt and also uh, uh, within this company itself. So this is where, as I mentioned earlier, the joke that Porsche was turning into a hedge fund. So like the CEO at the time was just super financial engineering. So they're making this massive play for Volkswagen. And this is this is actually why uh, to, to answer Jack's exact question. So Volkswagen has like 12 billion sitting on their balance sheet in uh, 2008, early 2008. When you own 75% of the company, you get to roll their balance sheet into yours. So they're basically slowly <laughs> buying it up and using all this debt to do it. And then they're like, we're just gonna sweep that money, close our debt. So it's like a pretty savvy move they're about to pull off, right? Wow, yeah, yeah. So, but then it's 2008. What happens in September 2008? Lehman Brothers. So Lehman Brothers happens. Uh, we've already been in a recession actually at this point for a year. So the, the, that recession actually started in late 2007, even before Lehman happened. And uh, the car market, total shits. When Lehman happened, uh, GM took a bailout. I think Ford took a bailout. Chrysler, uh, uh, Chrysler, I think they all went bankrupt. Uh, one of the big three in the US did it. So people are looking at what's happening in the car market everybody's shorting the shit out of Volkswagen. So here's where the short comes in. Volkswagen though, its price has been staying afloat because everybody assumes that Porsche is buying up a position and they're going to support it. So there's this massive disconnect. Everybody expects Volkswagen to go the way of the American car manufacturers. Recession is game over. 
but it's being boosted by Porsche. So, so Porsche announces, though, this is where it gets crazy. They announced to the market on, I think, October 28, 2008, they say, oh, by the way, this is our position. We own 43%. And we also have the options to own another 35%, which means we get the 75% unlock for the balance sheet. The market sees that. Everybody that's short uh, Volkswagen is like, oh, shit. Because 75% of the uh, stock ownership belongs to Porsche. Lower Saxony owns 20%, which means the free float of shares is only 5% of the company is out there. And when you get 5% of the shares out there, you can't get that stock back. So over a two-day squeeze, the stock quintupled. And uh, Volkswagen was valued at almost $400 billion, number one company in the world for two days, bigger than ExxonMobil at the time. That's and uh, sorry, this is 2008, was it? Yeah, 2008. Damn. And here's where wow. the machinations get wild. Porsche, with that super overvalued stock, they're like, okay, short sellers, we'll sell you at $1,000 a share, which is five times what it was a week ago. We'll sell you 5% of the float. Uh, and so they, they profited from this trade, five to $10 billion. But they actually didn't get to close out their position with Volkswagen. Basically, the German government stepped in. They're like, we don't want Porsche owning Volkswagen, even though their families, like Volkswagen is to us the most important player here. And uh, basically government decision, Fiat, by 2012, Porsche wasn't able to take down its massive debt it did to build its position. And Volkswagen, to Bilal's original point, merged or acquired Porsche in 2012. There's a lot more to this details. Like the scion of the Porsche family like was a crazy puppeteer in the, in the background. But uh, yeah, that's the story of, uh, of, of Volkswagen being the most valuable company in the world for one that's day. That's wild. I'd never heard that before. Mental. Yeah, Time dude. for a thread, Trung. Yeah. <laughs> for a thread. All right. I think that's a great nice way class. to finish up, mate. I think we uh, hit our time as well. Um, anything else before we close out, boys? No, that's amazing. No, that's let good. me, let's, uh, well, Bilal, why don't you close out with the listeners and I'm just typing something to you guys right now. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks again for being there, everyone. We appreciate all the support and love. And we've got more for you coming every Wednesday. So make sure you're subscribed on all the, all the platforms, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and we will see you next week. Oh, 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 oh,